0: Well, welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Johan Bortes, one of the leading labor experts in South Africa, to the show, and he's partner and head of employment and compensation at Baker McKenzie, and he's joined by Tracy van der Kolff, who's a senior associate in employment and compensation uh, practice at Baker McKenzie. Thanks very much, uh, guys, for joining us. I know it's um, we're nearing the end of the year, but the topic we want to actually delve into is a big one, a big theme, as we head into 2020 two and of course the holidays. And now we've got Omicron, we've got the risk of a fourth wave that should reach a peak early in the new year, um, but the question now is mandatory vaccines. South Africa very very low, seven percent or so in total. South Africa is a lot better, you know, at about thirty six percent. But there's still resistance to mandatory vaccines. There's a lot of talk about it. We've got Ned Black, uh, Ned Black. We've got the government talking about bringing it in and implementing it. We've had some companies coming through, quite a few actually. There's a list. discoveries looking at it, and they've had a lot of success since announcing it. Whereas it, it's not even mandatory yet, but you've already got over 90% of the staff there. You've got other companies, Standard Bank, Old Mutual, MTN, also very outspoken on the need for it. But there are nuances. There are very specific requirements. We want to delve into that. It's not well understood. Um, Africa's rate, not great. There's a lot of uh, people that are not clear on it. Awareness seems to be lacking. But also in the corporate world, there are very specific requirements that need to be in place. It's not cut and dry that you can just announce a vaccine policy. So we wanted to get into that. Maybe if we can start with, with you, Johan, just to provide the relevant context uh, when it comes to the South, uh, South Africa specifically.
1: Yeah, um, Evan, thank you very much. And this is indeed a topical uh, uh, issue at the moment. We anticipate that at least for the next quarter or two, this will be right center and focus of, uh, of any HR director and uh, CEO's yeah. mind. How do we deal with vaccinations in the workplace? You gave the statistics in relation to Africa and South Africa. Clearly, something has to give and, and we can't just rely on government. To, to get this right. So what we've seen is we've seen a number of uh, large employers, notably Discovery that you mentioned, a couple of others that are implementing it as well, um, communicating to staff that they are implementing uh, mandatory vaccination within the workplace. So the legal framework to that, and uh, you know, I'll ask Tracy to assist in just unpacking that, is basically in terms of the directive that was issued by the Department of Employment and Labor in June 2021. And that created the, the platform. It, it provides us with the, the legal handrails and that are in which an employer can implement mandatory vaccination. So that is the, the touchstone that we would need to look at in order to see if you want to implement mandatory vaccination within the workplace as an employer. Where do you start? That is
0: the starting point. Okay, great. And then, Tracy, uh, this distinction between a risk assessment and the policy—I mean, it's—it's it's, there are a couple of hurdles that companies have to get over here before they can just roll out this policy, right? And this is in line with the directive that Johan was talking about. That's
2: correct, Evan. And thanks so much for for hosting us today. It's an absolute uh, pleasure to to speak to you on this on this very important topic. Um, so, that, so what your answer is is obviously absolutely correct. So in June 2021, the Minister published an amendment uh, to the Consolidated Direction on the Occupational Health and Safety Measures. Um, and this provides um, the, the kind of groundwork for employers to implement a mandatory vaccination policy in the workplace. Um, and basically, this, this directive provides guidance uh, that an employer first has to undertake what we call a risk assessment before an employer can implement a mandatory vaccination policy. So underpinning what we are talking about today, and and just to take a a step back, employers have a duty in terms of the Occupational Health and Safety Act to provide and maintain a uh, safe and healthy working environment for the employees. So in order to give effect to this general duty and what this directive now provides is that an employer must undertake um, a risk assessment in order to determine what hazards are present in the workplace. So in the context of the, the conversation we're having today, COVID would be a hazard. And what measures can be implemented to mitigate the risks? And, for example, implementing a mandatory vaccination policy. So, when an employer is now determining whether whether it can implement a mandatory vaccination policy, um, the, the two main considerations that the employer needs to look at, and that would be the health profile of an individual... Excuse me, of an individual employee. Yep. So, for example, is this employee particularly um, a high-risk employee? Are they over the age of 60? Do they have comorbidities, et cetera, et cetera? And then it also needs to have a look um, at its workforce and or its workplace, rather, as a whole. So, is this workforce, is there a risk of exposure right. um, for COVID in the workforce? So in order to undertake this assessment, the employer needs to ask the employee to complete what um, what we've called um, a health declaration form, where it asks employees for this information. Okay. And basically, the employer will then... Sorry, would you like to chip in? And sorry.
0: No, 100%. I was, I was just thinking uh, also, uh, I mean, obviously there's some sectors more at risk than others, like, for instance, hospitality sector. Um, I know exactly. also, obviously, discovery. Uh, if you look globally as well, health, you know, public sector workers like doctors in some countries have to have to do it as well, you know. So, I mean, is, is there clarity on that some companies are not as at risk as others? Yes. Uh, so, so there's
2: not... Um I would say there isn't absolutely clear guidance on this, mm. but what we've done in our practice is, you know, there's kind of a matrix that that we look at. So, okay. where there is a high risk of exposure um, to COVID in the workplace. So, so for example, the, the guidelines do say, you know, where, where there is a chance that you are working um, with people who have confirmed COVID cases. So, for example, in a hospital. Yeah that will place you in a high-risk bucket. Okay. Where you are working in a workplace where you have regular contact with um, with contractors, with colleagues, yes. with uh, customers, clients, but you're not sure whether or not they might, might or might not have COVID, that might place you in a medium-risk bucket. And then you look at those factors combined with um, the employee's individual health factors, and that kind of makes up uh, this risk assessment. And then the employer, they needs to say, okay, the, the, my employee's and um, whether we split them up into different buckets or whether we look at our workforce as a whole, my employees are low risk, medium risk, high risk, and then that will then inform whether or not the, the employer is permitted to implement a mandatory vaccination policy.
0: I see. And then this assessment, yeah. once it's done, uh, then you have to actually implement a plan, right?
2: Correct. So, so, so the, the directive uses the wording vaccination plan, plan. but w- we see that as a vaccination policy, essentially. Okay.
0: Brilliant. Um yes. I- Okay, that's great. And now, obviously, the the big question when it comes to this, so there are a couple of technical issues, uh, companies, HR people, and and legal have to work quite closely to get this on track. As you say, you've got certain documents that that can really help and guide, which I think will be important. I think some companies may still be confused as well as to, you know, what's the right uh, approach here. But um, the rights of employees, and and this is the big question. It's a global debate. It's not just in SA, protest action. There's some unions, uh, Kassatu, I think, you may uh, you, you may have mentioned earlier also is is, is you know initially uh, not in favour, but other unions still not in favour, like Fedusa, I believe. So there's still this this element of you know society that are not convinced that this is a way to to implement it. So so maybe let's get into. Um, employee rights, and I know, Johan, we also want to bring in the Constitution here, you know, and the right to, to bodily integrity and autonomy, which are enshrined in the Constitution, and, we will get, and we'll get to that just now. But, but maybe, Tracy, just from your side, uh, employee rights, what are the rights? I mean, can you force someone to do this, in other words?
2: So yeah very very happy to pick up this question Evan. so so the long and the short of it is when, when an employer now implements a mandatory vaccination policy, um, the employees are entitled to object to being uh, vaccinated on either constitutional or health grounds. Um, and I'd, I'd be interested to hear to hear Johan's input on, you know, to, to maybe unpack the, the constitutional grounds a little bit more. Yep. Um, there's no clear guidance in terms of the direct of what that looks like, but we do have some some case law framework that we can draw from.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm happy, happy to, um, to, to, jump in there as well and, and pick up on the, on the QA. Thanks, Tracy. Uh, uh, the, the Constitution does provide, uh, um, imp- not only in but citizens with various rights. And, um, one of those would be, you know, the right to freedom of religion, to freedom of belief, to, um, to, to freedom of, to bodily integrity. You know, the Employment Equity Act give deep- give uh, embodiment to these rights within the workplace. So within the Employment Equity Act, it's constituted unfair discrimination to unfairly discriminate against an employee on the basis of, in this case pertinently, religion or belief, for instance. So an employee could raise a valid ground of objection to say that um, I have the right not to be vaccinated because it is against my religion, my belief. Um, uh, or I have medical grounds yes. for, um, for refusing to be vaccinated. But of course, you know, it, it cannot be as simple as just raising, you know, playing that card and say, but hang on, I have a medical objection and yes. that is the end of the inquiry, or it is against my belief or against my religion, you know, and that is the end of the inquiry. What the employer has to do is to consider those grounds and go through a consultation process with the employee where those grounds are interrogated. And like Tracy correctly said, the Constitutional Court has given us really good guidance on how do you deal with that. So when an employee says, I am objecting against your workplace policy or practice because it interferes with my right and freedom to religion, how do you deal with that? Because we always have to remember that you know, although there are constitutional rights, those rights can be limited in a free and democratic society, you know, such as the one in which we, we operate. So the employer then has to play that balancing act and say, let me firstly interrogate this um, objection. You know, let me understand whether this is a fundamental tenet of your faith or belief, and if so, then what is it that I can do in order to balance these competing rights? Because the directive mm. um, that the department set out. Indicated to us that listen. The, these are the various factors you have to take into consideration: public health, the the rights yeah. of the employees, the rights of the uh, you know of the of the workplace. So, how do you then balance all of that? So, yes, an employee has a right, you know, uh, not to be vaccinated, but it's not an absolute right. Mm. And exercising that right, even validly, could have employment law consequences for the employee.
0: Of course, yeah, and I think one of the companies. Um I think it was MTN, was also saying that the science is very clear that when you have a vaccine, it does limit, you know, the impact and, and you know, the extent, um, you know, of the illness and um, of people, you know, who get the virus. So the science is quite clear. So when you're looking at that Section 36 limitation of rights, you know, it's, it's a very careful balancing act there when it comes to, you know, the, the, the balancing between that individual freedom and, you know, the public interest component.
2: Even if I, if I can, if I can chip in there, I mean, the, your point um, is, is so well made. I mean, Discovery um, Health this morning sent out a, um, a survey, or not a survey, a study, study results to, to its members in yep. relation to the recent studies that they've done on this Omicron variant um, and the efficacy of vaccines. And what's very clear from the science and from the data is that vaccinations are really assisting with serious illness um, and death as a result of COVID.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting one because we could have, certainly there's a build-up here of pro- potential protests in the new year. For instance, universities, quite a few universities said they are implementing it. Um, and that's obviously going to be the intake coming in, in the, early in the new year. And students that don't want to do this, and um, they've actually already said we will be protesting. So that's going to be a, a, a factor, you know, that we're going to have to face in the new year. But then, you know, how far can they take this? is is the question and it's going to be as Johan said that that interesting balancing act so so that's the next question if someone comes and says you know I know with for instance Discovery they've still got 350 people you know they've got a list of you know of staff who said that for either religious belief um, you know or health reasons you know they don't want to do it and they're now consulting with them doing the right thing as you mentioned Um, what do you do then if that if you're not successful I mean what action can you take um you know obviously leading up to possibly dismissal right
1: and 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 that is uh, that is exactly the the ultimate employment law consequence mm. that could visit uh, be visited upon an employee objects to, to be to be vaccinated. And this is often a difficult thing for employees to wrap their brains around, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and 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 consider the fairness of it, because on the face of it, it just seems so brutally unfair that yep. I have done nothing wrong. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same uh, situation as what you find with medical incapacity cases. You know, I did not choose to get sick. I did not yep. choose to have this disease visited upon me. But now I am unable to perform my, my work. And what the law allows an employer to do is to terminate the services of an employee where that employee is unable to perform the basic functions of their work. And this is essentially where employees could land um, in respect of a refusal to be vaccinated. So if the employee employer goes um, to, through that first part of the consultation process and establishes that there is indeed a valid reason for the objection, whether it's medical, belief or, or religion, then the employer would go into a second round um, which will look at the um, at the reasonable accommodation process. Then the employer would ask questions such as, "Now that I've accepted that your grant is indeed valid, you know this is not something that you've made up in order to avoid getting vaccinated. What do I do? Do I have an alternative role for you? Can I put you somewhere where it does not, it's of no consequence? You know whether you're vaccinated or not. So I've got a one-man stop out there in." Kuruman, you know, and I can go and put you there, and you're not going to get in contact with anybody else uh, with respect to everybody from Kuruman, you know. Nothing nothing is going to happen if you are not vaccinated, and I put you in that workplace there. That is reasonable accommodation, therefore I'm going to put you there. So I avoid terminating you uh, for, for for ill health or for for, the, for um, refusal to get vaccinated. If I, if I don't have that, do I have other, other um, work that I can allow you to go and do from home? So you are a qualified uh, chartered accountant. I've got bookkeeping work that I can let you go and do for another month or two or three from home, and I don't need you to to, to come in. So you would go through that process of considering what alternatives are available short of dismissal. So I want you to be vaccinated when you come into the workplace. Can I let you work from home? Okay, problem solved. Then you can go and sit at home, and you're not going to contaminate anybody in the workplace. If I can't allow you to go and sit at home, you're a factory worker. You have to come in. You have to be operating behind your machine in order to, to be gainfully employed by me. You know, and i don't have other work i may even look at the situation of saying can i afford to give you 6 months unpaid leave for instance so that you can go and sit this thing out at home and hopefully within the next 6 months something miraculous would have happened in order to avoid you getting vaccinated and i can then take you back in employment again you know or i can allow you back into the workplace oh what we what we fear you know and this is the message to employees is that in many instances the employer would have valid reasons to say but I can't accommodate you like that. I can't allow you to to do X, Y, or Z that um, will avoid a, a termination. So um, I, I, my, my sincere advice to employees is before you just um, blankly refuse mm. to, to be vaccinated, take legal advice go and speak to an employment lawyer and really understand what are the options open to both you and the employer You know, before you take a drastic step like that, because my my honest concern is that I think many employees who persist with a refusal to be vaccinated could find themselves being dismissed in the not too distant future.
0: Yeah, great point, Johan. Well put. Now, just to uh, close off as well, the the, the directive has some interesting elements as well that are also important for employees who, when it is mandatory, they do it. Let's assume they, they get ill. Um, this this new directive actually covers that type of ground. Uh, maybe Tracey, you can mention a couple of the, the elements there that um, that benefit employees that, that, that do take the vaccine.
2: Thanks, Evan. That's that's correct. So in, in October yeah, it was October twenty twenty one, the Compensation Commission issued a notice um, pertaining to vaccination side effects. Um, so this is done in terms of um, the COIDA Act and basically this provides the compensation fund will cover employees for injuries, illness or death as a result of receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. So it's just a fancy way to say that if you get sick or if you die as a result of getting the, the vaccination, the fund will basically step in and will pay either compensation to you if you are sick, you need to take time off or you have medical expenses or will, will pay out a benefit to your family if, if God forbid you pass away. Um, so, there are there are a couple of boxes uh, to tick in order for an employee to qualify for this compensation. Um, so, things such as uh, the vaccination must be regarded as an inherent requirement of the job. So, this will be now informed by the employer's uh, risk assessment. There's now a mandatory vaccination policy, and as a result of the mandatory vaccination policy, the employee then gets vaccinated and gets sick. Um, the the vaccine has to be one of the uh, sapr approved COVID-19 vaccines, Um, I've I've touched on the employer's um, safety risk assessment and vaccination plan, so the employee will need to provide that as proof, Um, and there needs to be obviously a link between receiving the vaccination and developing symptoms, and the side effects the employee suffers from needs to be the generally recognized um, vaccination side effects. Um, and, and that's basically basically the long, the, the long and
0: the short of it. Okay, fabulous. And so now just lastly, I mean, obviously some people are still considering, are there other alternatives? I mean, clearly you get vaccinated, there's still a risk of getting the virus. Uh, people, you know, social distancing, mask wearing, et cetera, it also has an impact. Um, it's one of the debates that's also happening globally. Um, and working from home certainly is a factor that can really help, right? So, I mean, is there any... Um, space for people to, for instance, say, you know, I want to stay at home um, and an employer should probably oblige in in that regard. Do you you foresee a little bit of scope in that regard and is there any space for it in in the directives?
1: Yeah, a really good question, Evan. So, as a general proposition, under the common law, the employer can direct an employee to to work from wherever. You know, most employment contracts will say you work at this specific workplace or um, or that, you know, you work wherever I tell you to go and work as your employer. When the directive got issued, though, it, it changed that position. Mm. in that The directive has this peculiar provision that says, oh, it's, it's peculiar, I mean, one can understand it in the context, that empl- where employees can work from home, they should. Now, that provision is still there. It's still part of our law at the moment. So, so as, as the law stands at the moment, we still have the directive that creates this anomaly to say that, employees who can work from home should so when an employer conducts its um, risk assessment it should consider its business rationale and that valid or those valid business reasons as to why it requires its employees to come back into the office you know and with the with a legal position now that employees who can work from home should The employer, in our view, should have a valid and overriding um, business reason. And there are many of those that employers can legitimately rely on, but it's a factor that they should consider. And they should consider that in respect of those employees who raise objections as well. To say that, where, uh, why do I need employees to come back to the workplace? Do I need all the employees to come back to the workplace? Are there certain categories of employees who can and should come back and others who may still work at home? And where I have objections you know, have I considered whether I can allow this employee to continue to work from home? Absolutely. And those are are really grounds that any employer should consider before terminating the services of an employee for failing to get vaccinated.
0: Well, Tracy and Johan, thanks very much for the time. Certainly astute advice. It's a, a more complex issue than I think anyone really understands at the moment. Um, it's uh, currently a debate, but certainly the way the world is moving, if you look at Singapore, you look at Greece, these... You know, mandatory policies are coming through and the impact is, 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 is quite positive. You know, so I think this is something we all need to prepare for, but I think everyone out there, as you've Really, very, you know, clearly outlaid is they need to be very aware of uh, the consequences, balancing of those rights, and what the directive actually says. And um, and so I think thanks very much for laying it out for us. And um, we certainly look forward to uh, the corporate essay and employees certainly uh, finding uh, middle ground on this uh, in the new year. So so thanks for that.